0: How's your heart um, this morning? Uh, I want us to reflect just a little bit on our hearts. Is it healthy and strong? Could it use a checkup? Maybe a little exercise. This actually is just a, a wonderful-looking heart, without uh, without too many Big Macs uh, having been taken in. Uh, when Samuel found out I was going to teach this morning, he said, "Well, Dad, what are you going to teach about?" And I said, "The heart." And he looked at me with a bit of a smile and uh, said, Well, and knowing that I'm a dialysis nurse, he said, Well, why aren't you teaching about the kidney? <laughs> and uh, I thought about it for a little bit, actually, you know, getting rid of waste products. I can actually think of a lot of great spiritual application for teaching on the kidney, But I, I, and I also know a lot more about the kidney, but uh, I had uh, been reading uh, a passage that had convicted me about my heart, and so I, I stuck with the, the heart. Um, I probably could do a series of, of teachings on various organs if you'd like me to, but maybe not. Back in the fall of 1981, uh, I was a, a brand new dialysis technician at St. Francis Hospital. And uh, still in awe of all the medical technology that uh, they had and everything that I was learning. And uh, at that time, Dr. Gandhi had started a, a heart transplant program here in Topeka at St. Francis and actually did several heart transplants, and one before the program was uh, ultimately discontinued. One of those heart transplants, uh, the surgery went way too long, and uh, the, the, uh, the, the patient who was being operated on began to, to have some problems. There were complications, and her potassium got real high. Her kidneys had, had shut down. And uh, it was a serious situation, and during the surgery, we were called in to do uh, dialysis on on this lady. And I remember uh, being called in with the other person that I was working with, and we were in the, the little uh, holding room. Uh, they were putting all this incredible garb on us. Uh, we were washing our hands and our arms and everything exposed more thoroughly and for longer than I had ever washed any part on me, ever. Uh, Keep in mind, I'm fresh off the farm, where hand washing goes something like this, you know. Uh, And Teresa would say maybe still does. (laughs) Um, I remember we finally were prepared, and we entered uh, the room, and and I simply wasn't prepared for what I saw. Um, There, on the surgical table... uh, Totally draped, so we couldn't see the patient except for her sternal area being held open by retractors. You were just focused on this heart, this transplanted heart uh, that was beating. And I I don't know... uh, It it was almost more than than what I could uh, imagine. It was was very exciting on one hand. It was very scary on one hand. I just could not imagine looking into someone's thoracic cavity and seeing this beating heart. Uh, Amazing. I've been fascinated ever since. She ultimately recovered. She had to have a second heart transplant. So she was on the operating table for over a day. While another uh, another heart was was flown in, she went home uh, physically, received her new heart uh, was uh, was able to uh, continue her life. Uh, she had needed a new heart physically, and she received one fast forward about ten years and now i 'm a senior Washburn nursing student, a place that Bethany uh, is glad she's no longer. She's graduated from that, Alicia as well, and I'm taking care of a, a patient in ICU over at Stormont Vale, and uh, this this uh, guy's not doing well, and uh, it's obvious he's very, very ill, needs emergency surgery, heart surgery. We rushed him to the operating room. Dr. Tomes met us there. We sort of got there at the same time, and you probably know Dr. Tomes, a great Christian man, and, fine surgeon, and uh, met us there. And this time we scrubbed and prepared. It wasn't quite as new. I knew what to expect this time around. And uh, so we went into the into the surgical suite. This time I got to see the uh, chest opened up, and uh, that was an eye-opening experience. And, and they had to stop this man's heart in order to repair it. They literally did so with medication and with ice, um, kind of the good ice, like the sonic ice. If any of you like sonic ice, uh, this just looked like a huge bucket of sonic ice that I'm sure was very sterile. Uh, but they poured in and around this man's heart, and while we were watching, it began to beat slower and slower and slower, and it stopped. The team went into uh, action and got this man on the heart uh, long bypass machine while they repaired his, his, his old heart, his broken heart. And he needed five bypasses. The surgery was a success. Um, he was able to uh, go home from the hospital, I was able to follow him through, and he was able to go home from the hospital, again, thanks to, in, in this case, the heart surgery. Heart transplant, heart surgery, uh, They've uh, at least the heart surgery has become fairly commonplace in our culture. But you probably know I'm not going to spend all this time talking about the physical heart, but... Uh, How's your heart? Mosby's Medical Dictionary describes the heart as a fist-sized organ. I remember on the farm growing up, I always thought it was much bigger than this, but this is the actual size, a fist-sized organ in your chest or thoracic cavity that pumps blood throughout the body. Webster has many definitions for the heart, and further down the list we get to some of the definitions that uh, I want to begin to talk about this morning. Heart, the center of one's emotion in contrast to the head or the brain, which is the center of our intellect. Heart, the center of an object, the very heart of an object. The innermost thought or conscience of a person. Here's one I probably like the best. One's essence, the essence of who a person is. To the Jews, the heart was a person's real identity. It represented who they really were as God knew them. And as I said earlier, I do recognize the benefit of being physically fit, and I don't want to downplay that at all, but this morning I want to challenge us to be spiritually fit as well. How's your spiritual heart? turn if you would to uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 and in a few moments we'll read some of the verses from there and by the way um, this teaching this morning is is for me uh, so you all can kind of listen in if you'd like but this is where God uh, was working on me and still is working on me as I read through Ezekiel uh, here over the past uh, weeks and months and got to chapter 36 and was just very very convicted and so anytime I say your heart, or you need to do this, or you 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 just kind of forget that it's it's it 's me it 's our it 's us as the body of Christ that uh, I believe need this message and uh, I shared that with uh, with Kevin over the course over the course of the week. It seems like any time I get the opportunity to teach uh, the the person who most needs the teaching that I prepare is me, so again, just just listen in if you would. Ezekiel 36, uh, we find God's children in Babylonian captivity, slaves in exile, if you will. Some 800 years earlier, they had been led into this promised land by Joshua, and uh, it was such an exciting time. There was great worship and great celebration and great victory that had been celebrated. 400 years uh, earlier, from where we find ourselves now, they had experienced uh, the great age of, of Solomon, the golden age of of Israel, if you will, and the temple had been dedicated under his watch and uh, Again, the worship and the praise was was just incredible. Uh, but now things have gone downhill and I think a key word here is they 've gone downhill gradually, sort of one step at a time and and that 's the way it usually happens isn't it? We usually don 't go from here to here without a lot of little steps along the way. And it was certainly true for, for uh, God's, God's children. The kings that they had asked for um, had, many, in many cases, been very bad and very evil. And probably one of the worst and most evil kings was King Manasseh. King Manasseh had condoned and practiced idol worship uh, in many places throughout the kingdom, but even in, in God's very own House, God's very own temple. He had condoned and practiced witchcraft and sorcery and divination and just all sorts of evil. And it says in 2 Chronicles 33 that the people also had followed suit. And it says the people did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites were given the land. So all of those horrible things that were happening before the Israelites came into the land are now uh, being done even worse. Bad, bad hearts, hearts that were once warm uh, and soft towards God, certainly as a nation, have now grown grown cold and hard. Bad company corrupts good character, we're told, and this certainly had begun to happen. And again, a key word here is gradually. We have to be so careful that we stay um, in tune with God's word because gradually, it's easily easy to get to this point. We might think we'd never do something like this. Um, it happens very, very gradually. Stay very close to God and His Word. God speaks through Ezekiel, the prophet, and tells His people that the glory of Israel, however, will be restores, restored. He gives them hope and He promises them a, a bright future. And here's what he says in Ezekiel chapter 36 to let them know that this will be possible or to let them know how he's going to do this. I'll begin reading with verse 24 and end at verse 28. "'For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart.'" I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart, the heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers, and you will be my people, and I shall be your God. How are our spiritual hearts? Remember the heart transplant story I told just a few moments ago? Ezekiel has an even better one, doesn't he? Uh, our God will remove our spiritual hearts if, if they've grown, grown cold towards him and will give us a transplant, a soft, warm heart, one that's obedient to him. And our future can again be bright. With the physical heart transplant I witnessed back at St. Francis, she recovered. Uh, we were very, very fortunate, very thankful for that. But her recovery was physical And it certainly was temporary. With the heart transplant that God promises through Ezekiel, the recovery is spiritual and it's eternal. How's your spiritual heart? Do we need a transplant? And how will we know? Verse 31 in the same chapter we were reading in Ezekiel 26 goes on to say this. Then you will remember your evil ways and your wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourself for your sins. So once you have a new heart, once you have a heart soft towards God, once you have a transplanted heart that wants to be obedient to our Lord, we'll recognize our sin, we'll recognize our wicked deeds, and and we'll repent. A key indicator of when our spiritual heart is healthy and soft is our remorsefulness our quick desire to to repentance. We all know King David and his story, and I I know it comes up a lot, but it certainly fits here. We're told that that David was a man after God's own heart, and yet we all know how imperfect his life was. But what characterized David was a heart of repentance, a sincere sorrow for his sin, and and he's become the model of repentance that that we look to in Scripture father 's day is is coming, and, and in our home we 'll be rem- remembering Teresa's dad. Uh, he passed away several years ago. several of you knew ernie, uh, quite a character. Uh, I have lots of memories of of Ernie, uh, but this one I remember most about him as I thought through this this lesson and, and it was just how sincere his apologies were and, and how remorseful and sorrowful he was when he had, had done wrong. And I can still still picture that and it's just a great memory. A repentant heart is a soft heart. Mike pointed out to me that Jeremiah uh, had a lot to say about the heart as well. And uh, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. And as I was reading through Ezekiel I sort of went, check, you know, recognize that that our hearts need circumcision. Let's call that surgical repair, like the heart surgery story. How's your spiritual heart? Is it soft and repentant, or is it hard and selfish? Does it need surgery? Do we need transplants? For Christians, the Holy Spirit's conviction will reveal our heart condition, and then and, and we have to choose what to do with that. When we're convicted, we can either... Push it aside and and uh, and not be real, fake it continue to go through the motions, continue to go to church, continue to act like Christians on the outside, or we can repent and get a new heart and how refreshing it is when we do the latter of those two i 've been challenged before to look at my calendar and my checkbook to see where my priorities are and And I think that may be part of a good heart checkup as well. It does tell us what's important to us because we give the things we value uh, the most time and we give our resources to the things that are most important to us. Take a look and see what you find. But as I think through the heart checkup, I think things that more critically can be the barometer of uh, where our heart is is uh, how's our prayer time? How's our daily Bible study time? Um, How's our worship time? Are those times in our life experiences that we delight in, or are they things that are sort of, uh, have become drudgery that we just kind of do because we have to, or are they things that we have stopped doing at all? Are we using our spiritual gifts? Are we sharing Christ? Those are questions we can all ask ourselves as we uh, begin to evaluate our own heart condition. In both Ezekiel and Jeremiah, the people have turned away from God, and they've turned away from God's word. And that's how they've gotten into this predicament. In some cases, they lost his word, for crying out loud. Any of us have trouble finding a Bible in our house? I think we probably all have many of them. But if we're not opening it up and taking it in, it's just the same as losing it. They stopped communing with God. They stopped listening to him. They lost their desire to worship God and as a result became very disobedient to him. In other words, they allowed themselves to get out of spiritual shape. And getting back into shape can be painful. I work with a bunch of physicians who spend a lot of time telling us to, telling me, to eat better, to exercise more. I had a little conversation earlier this morning about that, and I'm I'm trying on some of those things. and get regular checkups and and so on and, and so forth. The idea here is that physically even, it's easier to stay in shape than it is to get back in shape once you're once you're out of shape, and that certainly is true for us spiritually as well. It's better to keep and and, and much, uh, much easier and better to keep your heart healthy and soft by spending priority time with God each day and seeking to please him than it is to to fix a cold, nearly dead, hard heart. The physical heart is a muscle. So at any given time, it's either getting stronger or it's getting weaker. At any given time, the muscle is either developing and growing or it's atrophying and wasting away. There's not one moment where it's stagnant. And it's like that with our spiritual heart as well. We're either growing warmer and softer towards our Lord, or we're growing colder and harder towards Him. And we may not sense it at the moment, but just just trust me, write it down, I guarantee if we're not growing closer to Christ, then just by default we're growing away from Him. The Christian life isn't a coast. I remember as a younger child thinking it would be, if I could just get to this point in my Christian life, I saw some people in church that I admired, if I, if I could just get to be like this person, then you can kind of just kind of kind of coast out the rest of the way and live a good and godly and holy life. And wow, if I could just attain that. And uh, then I, I grew up a bit and I found out that's not the way it works. We're either getting closer to Christ or that very second we're getting further away from him. The Christian life isn't a coast. It's a race and we're commanded to run to the finish line. If we stumble... Repent and keep going. If we fall down, get up. If we need surgery or a transplant along the way, go to God and get it. He hands those out freely. How's your spiritual heart? Think of it compared to last week or last month or last year. Do you have the sense that your desire to spend time with God is is greater now and you're in communion with him more? now and 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 worshiping and praying and reading his word more now or maybe a little bit less which direction are you going are you getting closer to christ or further away because uh, again it's impossible to stay in exactly the same place not only pay careful attention to your own heart but pray for the hearts of those who are near and dear to you Uh, father's day is coming i think it's about a week away not that i'm keeping track or anything (laughs) But uh, dads, uh, ever spend any time praying for your children? You bet we do. Time on our knees for our children is time well spent. Others who are near and dear and close to you, spend time praying for their hearts. I read a book years ago called The Chosen by Chaim Potok. At least that's my Hebrew-German pronunciation of his name. I have no idea how to say it. I should have asked Adrian before. Um, a, A great book and a tragic story. Uh, this is a story of a Jewish family in New York City, and the father is a rabbi, and all he wants from his son is a son whose heart uh, desires to serve God and to follow him in ministry. And he prays for this for this young man. But as it turns out, this young man is incredibly intelligent and has a very hard and questioning heart. And uh, the father is just so grieved, and, and there's no happy ending this this story. I wish I could tell you otherwise. When you have a bad heart and you don't take care of it, bad things happen. We don't seek God. We don't submit to his will. We don't live a life for his glory. It becomes all about us and not all about God and glorifying him, which is why we we were created. Children, you can give your... uh, earthly dads and your heavenly fathers uh, the, the best gift ever and, and exactly the same gift by just simply uh, guarding your heart, protecting your heart, uh, having a heart that uh, longs for the Lord and his word. Nothing else is more precious. An evangelist once said that a lot of people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. You heard this before, it had a profound impact on me. That's the average distance from the top of one's head to the base of one's heart. A lot of people know about God. Our country is the perfect example, I think. A lot of people know about God. But that's not what God wants. God wants our heart. And so to know Him and to desire Him and to have a relationship with Him, that's what happens in our hearts. How's our spiritual heart? The good news is that with our God, there's always hope, and there's always hope. He's merciful. He's forgiving. He has his spiritual surgical knife ready for when we need it. Uh, this morning during, uh, during worship time uh, before everyone else got here, uh, Kathy said this, Sign your consent. Let God do whatever surgical procedure He wants to do on you. Whether it's a transplant, whether it's surgery, uh, He knows you inside and out. Just, just as a Christian, it was a great word picture for me. Just sign your consent. Let Him do with you what He wants and needs to do with you. In Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, God says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. How's our spiritual heart? Are we exercising it daily in God's word? Is it soft and healthy? Or does it need a little surgery, maybe even a transplant? If you think about it, as we go through life, very few of us go through life without ending up in a hospital somewhere, getting a surgical procedure done. And and certainly the same is true of the Christian life. It's it's not always going to go perfectly for us, is it? So when we need to go under God's knife, when we need a little surgery, when we need our heart taken care of, Uh, fall on His grace and mercy and allow Him to do what He needs to in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, You have told us above all else to guard our hearts for it is the wellspring of life. Everything we do flows out of our heart, out of that part of us that You know that uh, Lord, we give to you. And this morning, uh, through the words of the prophet Ezekiel from, Lord, uh, several thousand years ago, it's just amazing to me how alive your word is yet today and how it, it speaks to us and speaks to me. And, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to have hearts that are soft and tender and warm towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.